Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Good afternoon. On February 23, 2005, Rotary International celebrated their 100th birthday as one of the oldest service organizations in the world. Coincidentally, in May 2005, the city of Las Vegas also celebrated their centennial year. The history of the club is deeply intertwined with the history of Las Vegas. Thus, an idea was born of selecting a project that would interlink the centennial of Las Vegas with the historical role of the Las Vegas Rotary Club and what they've played through the years in our service with service in our community. In Las Vegas, between 1904 and 1910, Union Pacific Railroad built 64 cottages for its workers located on 6th Street and Casino Center Street. In 2004, only seven of those cottages remained. Former members of the Las Vegas Rotary Club had a personal history in those railroad cottages. At one point, Walter Bracken collected rent on behalf of the railroad. In addition, Dr. Jim Jones and J.A. Taberti both lived in one of those cottages. In fact, J.A. Taberti met his wife in the cottage. In 2004, the Las Vegas Rotary Club approved a grant for $30,000 to adopt one of the railroad cottages. J.A. Taberti generously donated $5,000 towards the project, and the project was born. Uh, logistically, moving the nearly 100-year-old cottage proved to be a challenge. The concrete building had to be moved in its entirety to the preserves uh, uh, to preserve the building. The move also had to happen on a weekend night, as traffic had to be stopped and the lights had to be moved. With the legalities and logistics of the move, it took over two years for the final move of the railroad cottage at a cost of $30,000 per cottage. Our speaker today is Nathan Harper, preserve archaeologist for the Springs Preserve. Nathan served as the lead team member of the restoration for, of uh, four early Las Vegas railroad cottages and develop, the, the development of Boomtown 1905. Please help me welcome Nathan Harper. Thank you very much, and thank you for thank you for the uh, very kind and generous welcome. I, I always like coming to speak for Rotarians because uh, when I look at the crowd and when I look at, the, at what you do as Rotarians, it's, it's always a true representation of what America is all about. And so thank you very much for having me here today. For those of you that don't uh, haven't been to the Springs Preserve, I'll give you a quick snapshot. The uh, the Springs Preserve is a 180 acre natural and cultural resource uh, here in, uh, in Las Vegas, three miles west of downtown. Now, it's the site of the original springs of Las Vegas. That is, before Lake Mead, before the East Valley Lateral, before water was being moved into Las Vegas Valley from Lake Mead, the main source of water was from these springs, pumped out about a million and a half gallons of water in a 24-hour period. Then over time, as people uh, had higher demands, they started drilling more wells and, and, and pulling water over their own wells. But 
this was the birthplace of Las Vegas. We call it, uh, you know, Meadows Mall is right next door to us. Las Vegas means the meadows. These are the meadows, and these are the springs that made Las Vegas what it was. So as part of our mission at the Springs Preserve, uh, we try to celebrate that history and uh, sort of give an eye to where we're going in the future. We're all about sustainability as well as our history. Um, but uh, uh, the railroad cottages have become a very important part of our mission and what we do at the Springs Preserve. Some quick history. Uh, Las Vegas was a railroad town. Before it was anything else, uh, it was a railroad town. Uh, in about 1902, the San Pedro, Los Angeles, and, and uh, Salt Lake Railroad purchased uh, a large portion of land from Helen Stewart that included the Big Springs Complex or the Las Vegas Springs. And it was the purchase of those springs that led to the railroad coming through Las Vegas and on out to the California coast. This was the main division point between Salt Lake City and Los Angeles and the Port of San Pedro. Um, and the main reason they were here was because of that water. They had their eye on that water source for their locomotives. William Clark, uh, Senator William Clark, was the driving force. He was the, the owner of the SPLA and SL. He was a copper baron from Montana. And one of the main goals he had was moving that copper down to the California coast to get it out to the market uh, much quicker. Uh, this is a picture uh, of Clark standing on the back of his rail, rail car, uh, addressing a crowd uh, uh, during one of his re-election campaigns. And, and Clark uh, was uh, one of these, you could probably call him a robber baron, if you wanted to use that term. Uh, uh, he, he, he had copper interests, he had railroad interests, and had himself appointed uh, as senator uh, from Montana. And there's a very famous uh, political cartoon of him walking through the Congressional office building, throwing money over transoms. Uh, to get his appointment, he ended up getting bounced uh, out of out of the out of the Senate uh, for for some of those uh, some of those activities. So this is an early map uh, when Clark County was still Lincoln County. This is the uh, the, the uh, Clark's town site. This is McWilliams town site. The west side on the other side of the of the tracks uh, right there. So these railroad cottages, as as uh, past President uh, Wisenhunt was. Uh, able to tell you, these were, these were housing uh, structures built by the railroad for sort of their mid-level workers. There's conductors, shop foremen, those types of people's machinists. And so they originally built 64 of these between about 1909 and 1911, uh, blocks 23 and 26 of Clark's Las Vegas town site. Today that means 2nd, 3rd, and 4th Street, Garces, Bonneville, and Clark. Now, these 64 cottages, there's not very many left in situ in their original locations. There's one cottage that's directly across from the bus transfer station that is largely unchanged. But for the most part, what's left uh, uh, of those cottages in downtown Las Vegas have been significantly modified, facades put on, remodeled, etc. Um, one of those cottages was saved and moved to the Clark County Heritage Museum out on Boulder Highway. If you haven't had a chance to visit there, it's fantastic. There's a lot of history, uh, architectural history uh, of Las Vegas uh, out there. And uh, once again, in 2005, we moved four of those cottages to the Springs Preserve. Now, when you're doing restoration work or rehabilitation work like what we're, we planned with these cottages, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time to raise the money to be able to pay for the significant work that has to be done here. And so we uh, sought out uh, funding from the Southern Nevada Public Land Management Act. If you're doing land swaps in Southern Nevada, you know what SNPLMA is. It provided uh, an enormous boon to the Springs Preserve and the Las Vegas Valley Water District and helped us pay for many projects, including uh, the railroad cottage uh, restoration. 
We had a commission of uh, commission for cultural affairs grant from the state of Nevada. Las Vegas Rotary very generously helped us move those. American Public Works Association, Cashman Family Foundation, and the J.A. Tiberti family, as previously mentioned. So once again, this is one of these community uh, projects that takes the entire community to help fund that and move these projects forward. Now, the railroad cottages, cottages themselves are uh, interesting construction. They are uh, sort of a craftsman-style cement block uh, with a very distinct curved roof line on them. And uh, when you look at some of the features uh, from these cottages that help with uh, sort of keeping the house cool, it was, very, it was very important during that time. There was no uh, air conditioning, correct? So uh, these were cement block, concrete block, and these weren't just your standard sort of rectangular cinder blocks that you see today. These were actually sort of, if you took that cinder block and sliced it in half. And so they laid these in a bond without reinforcement, uh, and, and the, the, the block wall was much thinner than you, than you might expect. Uh, we were very lucky uh, to have the original blueprints had been preserved. These were in the, the Union Pacific Archives um, in, uh, was it, Council Bluffs in, in Iowa. And some of these uh, uh, blueprints were actually um, sent to UNLV Special Collections. And they have a significant amount of these uh, Union Pacific uh, Railroad documents there. At, uh, at the UNLV Special Collections. So some of these other uh, features you had, you had these uh, wide eaves hanging over uh, roof lines that allows for more shade. Uh, you had the concrete block, which the idea was, was if you had an air cell or an air pocket between those blocks, that it was allowed some, some insulation between those. Um, and some of these other features inside that helped uh, keep it cool, fenced-in porches, wide overhangs, these types of things. So with the blueprints, we were very lucky. We were able to uh, find the call-outs for, for paint colors, for trim colors, for interior colors, for roofing colors as well. Uh, trim moldings were called out, floor plans, kitchen layouts. They had details for, for all of the cabinetry as well. Usually, if you're doing historic restoration work and you're looking for paint colors, you have to go and you have to take a razor blade and you have to scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape until you get to that first layer. Uh, we were lucky that we were able to confirm on the plans that the colors matched uh, what was what we found uh, there. So uh, for, for historic preservationists to have original plans is incredibly helpful. So here are uh, two of the cottages, well, one of the cottages on the move at the Springs Preserve. Once they were moved to our facility, they sat in the back portion as we tried to raise the funds for the restoration of these. And then instead of taking these houses back out on the streets and all the way around, uh, we actually moved them on, uh, on our site. Now, that causes its own set of uh, situations. Uh, you know, whoops. Well, I was trying to show you a time-lapse video of moving, but it's not going to work. That's okay. Um, so we were able to move these on our site, and rather than having to move uh, power lines and poles and things like that. We had to move trees and shrubs and bushes and animals and, and those types of things. A little less, uh, little less difficult of a move. Um, if you're interested in seeing some of those time lapses, you can go find them on, uh, on YouTube. And here they are in place. Technology is grand, right? Here they are in place. And you can see that there were some issues with uh, some of the blocks, some of the wear on the block. Uh, we actually went to a local uh, company that actually was able to reproduce blocks from the original blocks that we gave them, from the specifications we had. 
And uh, the contractor we had for, the, for this restoration work was Pace Contracting, a local, a local firm. And uh, these were moved in uh, spring of 2013. Restoration went throughout 2013 and were completed in the winter of, uh, of 2013. And some of the issues we had to deal with, if any of these preservation issues, we want to make sure that, first of all, that the envelope of the building is, is, is solid. It's not going to fall down. It's not going to collapse. But then we want to make sure that as much of the original material is taken care of. It's not going to degrade over time. Structurally, there were some issues with this. Uh, I talked about this sort of double wyeth block wall. It was not reinforced at all. There was no rebar. There was nothing else in between there. So one of the issues that we found uh, was that a lot of cracking between the blocks, the Portland cement that was used to uh, stick these blocks together was stronger than the blocks themselves. When uh, San Pedro, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake Railroad constructed these cottages, they actually ran a spur line, uh, a spur rail line, up the alleyways of these blocks and had a concrete mixer, all the materials uh, on, the, on a flatbed. And uh, the sand and the things they used to construct these blocks were local. They weren't washed. They weren't cleaned. So the integrity of these blocks is degraded over time. In, in some of these blocks, you actually go up and, and just rub the surface of it, and it would uh, sand and things like that would come out of it. <clears throat> so that was very important to us. Uh, there was no attachments between the roof and the walls and the floor and the walls. So essentially, you're looking at a, a wall with a roof sitting on top of it and a, and a, and a, and a floor sitting on floor uh, joists not attached to the wall. So that was one of the things we wanted to solve and wanted to fix. We wanted to make sure that this was a solid uh, structural um, unit. Uh, interior plaster uh, was uh, a bit of a difficulty also. Uh, plaster doesn't tend to last long. This was lath and plaster. It wasn't drywall. It was applied directly to the block in some cases. So there was quite a bit of cracking, some spalling, some degradation of that, of that, uh, of that plaster. One of the other things, uh, we may not necessarily feel it these days, but uh, Las Vegas is an active seismic zone, so there is, a, there is a threat of earthquakes here. And so we had to go back and we had to do some seismic reinforcement, some retrofits to make sure that that building was going to stick together. Some other things we did uh, to keep it uh, uh, sound, uh, some of those air cells between the blocks, some of those we selected to actually fill with solid concrete to hold it together. We put a plate on the top to hold the roof to the rest of the building, plate on the bottom to hold the floor to the rest of it. And these things are solid as a rock. If you're looking for a place to, to hide out from a nuclear blast, these might be a good place for it. As I said, we, 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 these were greatly modified in place. Uh, there were additions to them. There were changes. Some of them had been divided and, and separated into apartments. And so in one instance, we had, actually had to remove a door and replace the block uh, in that one location. So here it is, complete. And you can see this is that wall that we were just looking at with the door. Uh, we were able to put everything back together. And I'm very excited to show these cottages to you this evening. Uh, the different colors, we painted each uh, cottage in one of the called-out colors. Uh, and uh, the color differences in the roofs as well. So these weren't just concrete blocks that looked like a, a one street of just concrete houses. There was a rhythm to them. There was a feel to them. Uh, and it was really, really quite an attractive little neighborhood. And here we are from the end of the road sitting out. We put them on original size lots. Um, and all of the planting and all of the, the uh, gardens that we put in, we actually went back to the Las Vegas Age, UNLV Special Collections, Clark County Library District Archives to see what people were putting in their yards, see if we can find any, any example photos of any of that. We're very lucky. The Las Vegas Age 
I believe this was about 1912, it was a big Arbor Day celebration that they did in Las Vegas where kids actually went out and sold tags for planting trees. Planted over 2,000 trees in Las Vegas. And you think about what Las Vegas would have been like back then. Very hot, very dusty, no plants, no vegetation. So this was actually some, a, a really, really fantastic beautification project in early Las Vegas. They also sent somebody from the town to the Los Angeles Botanical Gardens to bring back plants for the park that was going to be in front of the uh, railroad depot. And so we actually went to the, that Las Vegas Age article, and all of the plants that we put in our yard were on that plant list. We didn't plant anything else there. So this is our reconstructed uh, uh, cottage neighborhood, and here it is originally. So it was very important for us to get the look and the feel of that cottage, but you know these, these things are, are too important uh, to us. So we had to make sure that we put the right furniture in them. We had to... Uh, focus on the right area. So we were, we were looking at a period between about 1900, 1905 to about 1920. 1922 is when the San Pedro, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake Railroad was um, taken over by the Union Pacific. And it was about that time also that instead of renting these cottages out to railroad workers, they started selling them off to private uh, residents. So uh, everything you see in, almost everything you see in here was purchased locally. This was very important to us at the Springs Reserve. We're, we're a local organization. It was very important to us that that sniffle of money that was coming from uh, local land sales was going back into local businesses. We tried to keep the money as, as, as local here in Las Vegas as possible. So uh, a couple years ago, after, the, after the, uh, the, the construction, the stabilization project was completed, it was my job to go out and antique every day for about two months, one summer. So I've been to almost every antique store or shop you could find here in Clark County. And uh, we were very lucky because... Just down the street from us, there's the Charleston uh, Antique Mall. Almost everything we got from there. We were very, very lucky. We worked very closely with them, and they were uh, a joy to work with. So here's your, your front living room. You can see uh, we have some pictures representing uh, sort of the World War I period there. Uh, this is our kitchen. And the kitchen cabinets that you see here were all original. They were all located inside the cottages. We removed them. Uh, we refinished them and put them back in place. I said that almost everything came locally, and there are two exceptions. Uh, the stove and the range boiler, uh, it's a small space, but you can actually see on the floor, on the original wood flooring, where this stove was located. The range boiler sits on sort of like a, a monopod-type foot, and so you could see the circle from where that range boiler had been sitting. Uh, and so it was very important to find something that was going to fit this space. We weren't able to find anything locally. This, this uh, um, stove had to come all the way from Connecticut. So imagine trying to ship that all the way from Connecticut. And uh, the range boiler, fantastic copper range boiler. Uh, it came from even farther away, if you can imagine that. It came from Maine. Um, so uh, it was very important to, to, to outfit these to represent that time period uh, of Las Vegas. So our bedrooms, there's, there were three-bedroom and two-bedroom cottages. Uh, uh, and uh, we have... Both varieties, we have a four-bedroom cottage, and we have a four-room cottage, and we have five-room cottages. Uh, the Tiberti Cottage, the Rotary College Cottage, is one of the five-room ones. And so we had the, the, the main sort of master bedroom. We had a children's sewing room and another children's room uh, as well. And so we have the toys, the beds, uh, trying to decorate as, as, as best as we could to represent uh, that time. Now, um, as I said, these cottages are important. They're important to... The history of Las Vegas, the history of, of, of 
of uh, how we came to be. But, you know, when you say we, we uh, made these railroad cottages, we stored these railroad cottages, come out and see them, sometimes that maybe doesn't drive people's imagination as much as you might think. Uh, so we decided we needed to build something to complement this railroad cottages and, and make it into more of a, uh, an immersive experience. So this railroad period of Las Vegas, this early period before Hoover Dam, uh, when Las Vegas was a railroad town, is not terribly well represented. Um, if you go out to the Clark County Heritage Museum, they have some fantastic displays. They have some trains, some train depots, uh, some other things. Uh, but there's really no unified place where you can go and think about what Las Vegas was like in the early 1900s. And so, once again, uh, working with um, some exhibit designers and some architects, we came up with a concept to build what we call Boomtown. And, uh, you know, everybody uh, always likes to talk about how Las Vegas is a place that likes to implode its history. All right? That's not necessarily true. We have a lot of history left. But some of these early important buildings that were very iconic to early Las Vegas don't exist anymore. Uh, so we planned out a roster of buildings that included the original uh, San Pedro, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake Railroad Depot. Uh, the first state bank was very important to us just because of its very distinct construction in 1910. It was a, it was a Greek Revival columned, uh, pedimented uh, building built in this little desert town. Uh, but we also have uh, a replica of the Arizona Club, uh, a a, like I, I like to call it, a, a non-specific general store. And uh, we have a, a reconstruction of the, um, the Lincoln Victory Hotel that still stands down on Main and Bridger. We worked very closely with Carpenter Sellers Delgado Architects, and they were absolutely fantastic. They were a joy to work with. They were very responsive and uh, really did a, a bang-up job. So... Sort of our approach to, to working on these buildings was to, to go into the archives, go into special collections, uh, and see what we could find as far as images, uh, any writings about them, um, you know, a lot of personal papers, Pop Squires, Walter Bracken's personal papers are, are in the UNLV special collections, so we were able to go through those. And luckily, once again, we were able to find the original plans for the railroad depot. So as an architect, uh, it was pretty easy. He didn't trace over the lines or anything like that, but he did a fantastic job scaling uh, this depot to fit fit our space here. And uh, very excited to show this all to you uh, this evening. There we go. And so that's that's uh, that's a view of Boomtown today. And uh, really, uh, I invite you to come out and visit us this evening and come for a walk and, and see some of these spaces and visit, visit, uh, visit the uh, railroad cottages there. I'm happy to answer any questions uh, you might have for me. Yes, sir. Can you explain to me what a range boiler is? So a range boiler is like your water heater. Uh, your water heater today is it's out in your garage. It's got its own gas setup. It's, it's separated from the rest of the house. Your range boiler would have been attached to your stove. And as your pilot light is going, as you're heating your dinner, cooking your food, it heats that water and keeps it in the range boiler. So that was your hot water heater. So like I said, there, there's a four-room cottage and a five-room cottage. The four-room cottage is around 760 square feet, and the five-room cottage is a little over 900 square feet. Um, 
you know, when, when they're redone and restored the way they are, you can walk into these spaces and you can see yourself living in one of those. I often joke, you know, when me and my wife were first married, living in our own apartment was about 750 square feet. I used to joke with her and say, you know, I only have to go around one corner in this place to find you. And it would have been similar to this, but it's nice when you, have, you can go around two corners before you have to find somebody. Um, but they were, they're very comfortable. They're very cute. And, and honestly, if, if, if there was a way we could rent these out for the night and let people stay there, I, w- I would spend the night in one of these. They're very nice. And then your other question, how did the employees do? Like I said, these are about mid-level uh, employees' houses. So uh, engineers, uh, foremen, shop foremen, machinists, and they built them specifically for families as well. So they were looking to bring families and have people come to Las Vegas to start a life. Uh, the railroad shops that were the main division point between Salt Lake City and Los Angeles employed upwards of 400 people. So it, I mean, Las Vegas was a railroad town. The railroad was the main employer and the main house builder at that time as well. Nathan, thanks for coming out and talk to us. Thanks for having us tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. Looks like a lot of great history to be learned. Um, we're obviously proud of our role in saving one of those cottages, and I can't wait to see that one tonight. Does it have any markings on it from our club or anything like that? Or We have recognition. Uh, we actually, in advance of tonight's tour, we actually took it down to redo it. It's not back up yet. I'm sorry for that, but we are working on it. And once I have that, I'll take a very nice picture and forward it on to Michael so he can show all of you. Uh, it is uh, very similar to Tom's question. Last Thursday, we went to visit uh, the boom town and our the special houses. We were looking for a rotary sign, and we didn't see one. Yeah. So we were wondering what happened. Yeah. And Tom asked the same question. I'm just reinforcing. I was looking for one. The, 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 your club's role and the movement of these cottages was, was integral. We would not have been able to do it without the help of, of, of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. So we, we very much appreciate it. Uh, did you have to move any Indians away from the property that were living here? At, at the Springs Preserve? Uh, no, uh, the, you know, our, uh, our prehistoric Native American uh, component there at the Springs Preserve dates back about 1,200 years. Uh, we do have some early settlers' houses, and uh, those date to about the late 1800s, 1870s, 1880s. And then, of course, we have the water procurement facilities there, the springs, the spring houses, the wells. All of those date to the 1920s, 1940s. Thank you, Nathan. I just have a general comment. When we this club started this project, there was nobody else interested in preserving these cottages. And through the Las Vegas Rotary Club, a uh, committee was formed with the mayor, the Historical Society, and a bunch of other organizations. So if not for Rotary adopting that first cottage, they wouldn't be there. So thank you, members, for your contribution. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, if, if you haven't been to the Springs Preserve, if you haven't been to uh, Divine Cafe or Happy Hour up there, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, I, I've, I've done work in archaeology in the Mediterranean. I lived in Athens for a few years. There's very few places in the world where you can go and view the entire scope of history of one place. And the Springs Preserve is one of those places where you can do that, where you can sit there, you can have a drink, you can look out off our, our veranda there, you can see a 12,000-year-old spring mound, you can see Native American sites and early early uh, water procurement sites from 1920s and 1940s, and then you can look past that and you can see the strip in the background. 
So we're very lucky to have such a resource here, and we welcome you tonight, and we're very excited for you. So Nathan, thank you. I think we started talking about you coming to speak to our club about a year ago, and it's been a long time coming, so thank you. And we would like to present you with our Share What You Can Award, where we will present a hot meal to a homeless vet in your name. And we will see you again in a couple of hours. Thank you. Okay. Like I always say, and say it with me, Rotary is like tennis. The one who serves best usually wins. Now go forth and make a difference. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.